Before the Fellowship was the greatest story you've never heard. I'm Greg. Join us as we read and react to The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. Last time we heard about the various Noldor princes establishing themselves throughout Beleriand. Fingolfin, the only one of Finway's sons in Middle-earth and king of the Noldor, held a great feast that united the Noldor and the Sindar. Ulmo warned Turgon and Finrod to prepare against an assault from Morgoth. Morgoth tested the strength of the Noldor and Sindar by sending armies south from Angban. The Noldor won a decisive victory in Dagor Aglareb, the glorious battle. Fingon drove back the first fire drake, and the strength and valor of the Noldor grew. Though they were unable to take Angband or the Silmarils, they and the Sindar prospered in an age of relative peace. Today, we'll read chapter 14 of Quintus Silmarillion, which is found on page 118 of the second edition. Hello, this is Cameron. Just a little prelude to this upcoming episode. I would recommend getting out your uh, Silmarillion second edition on page 121 is a map you can follow along with. If you want a more interactive map, check out arda-maps.org. So if you search Arda or Map of Arda in Google, it'll be the very first thing that comes up. It's arda-maps.org. And I it's in the first age. So if you go to the first age and you zoom into Beleriand, I'm zoomed in about 12 times. So if you zoom in 12 times, you get a nice view of everything we're talking about. You can kind of move around as we're talking. I think it would be a big help. Check out arda-maps.org, and I hope you enjoy it. Of Beleriand and its realms. This is the fashion of the lands into which the Noldor came in the north of the western regions of Middle-earth in the ancient days. And here also is told of the manner in which the chieftains of the Eldar held their lands and the leaguer upon Morgoth, after the Dagor Aglareb, the third battle in the wars of Beleriand. In the north of the world, Melkor had in, ages, in the ages past reared Arid Engreen, the Iron Mountains, as a fence to his citadel of Atumno, and they stood upon the borders of the regions of everlasting cold in a great curve from east to west. Behind the walls of Arid Engreen in the west, where they bent back northwards, Melkor built another fortress as a defense against assault that might come from Valinor. And when he came back to Middle-earth, as has been told, he took up his abode in the endless dungeons of Angband, the Hells of Iron. For in the war of the powers of the Valar, in their haste to overthrow him, in his great stronghold of Atumno, did not wholly destroy Angband, nor search out, search out all its deep places. Beneath Arid Angrin, he made a great tunnel, which issued south of the mountains, and there he made a mighty gate. But above this gate, and behind it even to the mountains, he piled the thunderous towers of Thangorodrim, that were made of the ash and slag of his subterranean furnaces. 
and the vast refuse of his tunnelings. They were black and desolate and exceedingly lofty, and smoke issued from their tops, dark and foul upon the northern sky. Before the gates of Angban, filth and desolation spread southward for many miles over the wide plain of Ardgalen. But after coming of the sun, after the coming of the sun, rich grass arose there. And while Angban was besieged and its gates shut, there were green things even among the pits and broken rocks before the doors of hell. To the west of Thangorodrim lay Hisalome, the land of mist, for so it was named by the Noldor in their own tongue because of the clouds that Morgoth sent thither during their first encampment. Hithlam it became in the tongue of the Sindar that dwelt in those regions. It was a fair land while the siege of Angban lasted, although its air was cool and winter there was cold. In the west, it was though its air in the west it was bounded by Aaron Lomin, the echoing mountains that marched near the sea, and in the east and south by the great curve of arid Wethrin, the shadowy mountains that looked across Ardgalen and the Vale of Syrian. Fingolfin and Fingon, his son, held Hithlam, and the most part of Fingolfin's folk dwelt in Mithrim above the shores of the Great Lake. To Fingon was assigned Dorlomin, that lay to the west of the mountains of Mithrim, but their chief fortress was in Aethel Sirion, in the east of Arid Wethrin, whence they kept watch upon Ard Galen, and their cavalry rode upon the plain, even to the shadow of Thangorodrim, for from few their horses had increased swiftly, and the grass of Ard Galen was rich and green. Of those horses, Many of the sires came from Valinor, and they were given to Fingolfin by Maidros in atonement of his losses, for they had been carried by ship to Lozgar. West of Dorlomen, beyond the echoing mountains, which south of the Firth of Drengist marched inland, lay Nevrast, that signifies the hither shore in the Sindaran tongue. That name was given at the first to all the coastlands south of the Firth, but afterwards only to the land whose shores lay between Drangist and Mount Taras. There for many years was the realm of Turgon, the wise, the son of Fingolfin, bounded by the sea and by Arid Lomin, and by the hills which continued the walls of Arid Wethrin westward from Irvin to Mount Taras which stood upon a promontory. By some, Nevras was held to belong rather to Beleriand than to Hithlam, for it was a milder land, watered by the wet winds from the sea and sheltered from the cold north winds that blew over Hithlam. It was a hollow land, surrounded by mountains and great coast cliffs, higher than the plains behind, and no river flowed thence, and there was a great mirror in the midst of Nevrast, with no certain shores, being encircled by wide marshes. Then Linaiwin was the name of that mirror, because of the multitude of birds that dwelt there, 
of such as love tall reeds and shallow pools. At the coming of the Noldor, many of the gray elves lived in Nevrast, near to the coast, and especially about Mount Taras, in the southwest. For to that place Ulmo and Ose had been wont to come in days of old. All that people took Turgon for that land, for their lord, and the mingling of the Noldor and the Sindar came to pass soon as there. And Turgon dwelt long in those halls that he named Vinyamar, under Mount Taras beside the sea. South of Ardgalen, the great highland named Dorthonian stretched for sixty leagues from west to east. Great pine forests it bore, especially on its northern and western sides. By gentle slopes from the plain it rose to a bleak and lofty land, where lay many tarns at the feet of bare tors, whose heads were higher than the peaks of Eridwethrin. But southward, where it looked toward Doriath, it fell suddenly in dreadful precipices. From the northern slopes of Darthonian, Angrad, and Egnor, sons of Finarfin, looked out over the fields of Ardgalen, and were the vassals of their brother, Finrod, lord of Nargothrond. Their people were few, for the land was barren, and the great highlands behind were deemed to be a bulwark that Mograth would not lightly seek to cross. Between Dorthonian and the shadowy mountains, there was a narrow vale whose sheer walls were clad with pines, but the vale itself was green, for the river Sirion flowed through it, hastening towards Beleriand. Finrod held the pass of Sirion, and upon the isle of Tol Sirion, in the midst of the river, he built a mighty watchtower, Minas Tirith. But after Nargothrond was made, he committed that fortress mostly to the keeping of Orodreth, his brother. Now, the great and fair country of Beleriand lay on either side of the mighty river Sirion, renowned in song, which rose at Aethel Sirion and skirted the edge of Ardgalen, ere he plunged through the pass, becoming even fuller with the streams of the mountains. Thence he flowed south for 130 leagues, gathering the waters of many tributaries, until with the mighty flood he reached his many mouths and sandy delta in the Bay of Balar. And following Sirion from north to south, there lay upon the right hand in West Balerion the forest of Brethil, between Sirion and Tiglin, and then the realm of Nargothrond, between Tiglin and Narog. And the river Narog rose in the falls of Irvin, Ivrin, in the southern face of Dorlomin, and flowed some eighty leagues ere he joined Sirion in Nantathren, the land of willows. South of Nantathren was a region of meads filled with many flowers, where few folk dwelt, and beyond lay the marshes and isles of reed about the mouths of Sirion, and the sands of his delta, empty of all living things save birds of the sea. But the realm of Nargothron extended also west of Narag to the river Nenning, that reached the sea at Eglarest, and Finrod became the overlord of all the elves of Beleriand between Sirion and the sea save only in the Falas. 
There dwelt those of the Sindar who still loved ships, and Círdan, the shipbuilder, was their lord. But between Círdan and Finrod, there was friendship and alliance. And with the aid of the Noldor, the havens of Brithombar and Eglarest were built anew. Behind their great walls, they became fair towns and harbors with quays and piers of stone. Upon the cape west of Eglarest, Finron raised the tower of Barad Nimras to watch the western sea, though needlessly as it proved. For at no time ever did Morgoth essay to build ships or to make war by sea. Water all his servants shunned, and to the sea none would willingly go nigh, save in dire need. With the aid of the elves of the havens, some of the folk of Nargothrond built new ships, and they went forth and explored the great isle of Balar, thinking there to prepare a last refuge, if evil came. But it was not their fate that they should ever dwell there. Thus, the realm of Finrod was the greatest by far, though he was the youngest of the great lords of the Noldor. Fingolfin, Fingon, and Maedros, and Finran Felagund. But Fingolfin was held overlord of all the Noldor, and Fingon after him, though their own realm was but the northern land of Hithlum. Yet their people were the most hardy and valiant, most feared by the orcs, and most hated by Morgoth. Upon the left hand of Sirion lay East Beleriand at its widest, a hundred leaguers from Sirion to Gelion, and the borders of Osirion. And first, between Sirion and Mindeb, lay the empty land of Dimbar under the peaks of Crisaigrim, abode of eagles. Between Mindeb and the upper waters of Esgalduin lay the no land of Nan Dungorotheb, and that region was filled with fear. For upon its one side, the power of Melian forced the north march of Doriath. But upon the other side, the sheer precipices of arid Gorgoroth, mountains of terror, fell down from high Dorthonian. Thither, as was earlier told, Ungoliant had fled from the whips of the Balrogs, and there she dwelt a while, filling the ravines with her deadly gloom. And there still, when she had passed away, her foul offspring lurked and wove their evil nets. And the thin waters that spilled from arid Gorgoroth were defiled and perilous to drink. For the hearts of those that tasted them were filled with shadows of madness and despair. All living things else shunned that land, and the Noldor would, would pass through Nandungortheb, only at great need by paths near to the border of Doriath and furthest from the haunted hills. That was that way was made long before, in the time ere Morgoth returned to Middle-earth, and if one fared upon it, he came eastwards to Eskalduin, where still there stood in the days of the siege the stone bridge of Eant Iar. Thence he passed through Dordinen, the silent land, and crossing the Arosiach, which signifies the fords of Aros, 
he came to the north marches of Beleriand, where dwelt the sons of Fanor. Southward lay the guarded woods of Doriath, abode of Thingol, the hidden king, into whose realm none passed saved by his will. Its northern and lesser, lesser part, the forest of Neldoreth, was bounded east and south by the dark river Esgalduin, which bent westward in the midst of the land, and between Aros and Esgalduin lay the denser and greater woods of Region. Upon the southern banks of Escalduin, where it turned westward toward Syrian, were the caves of Menegroth, and all Doriath lay east of Syrian, save for a narrow region of woodland between the meeting of Tiglin and Syrian, and the mirrors of twilight. By the people of Doriath, this wood was called Nivrim, the West March. Great oak trees grew there and it also was encompassed within the girdle of Melian, that so some portion of Syrian which she loved in reverence of Ulmo should be wholly under the power of Thingol. In the southwest of Doriath, where arrows flowed into Syrian, lay great pools and marshes on either side of the river, which halted there in his course and strayed in many channels. That region was named Ailin Uyal, the Twilight Mares, for they were wrapped in mists, and the enchantment of Doriath lay over them. Now all the northern part of Beleriand sloped southward to this point, and then for a while was plain, and the flood of Syrian was stayed. But south of Ailin Uyal, the land fell suddenly and steeply, and all the lower fields of Syrian were divided from the upper fields by this fall, which to one looking from the south northward, appeared as an endless chain of hills running from Eglorast beyond Narag in the west to Amun Arab in the east, within far sight of Gelion. Narag came through these hills in a deep gorge and flowed over rapids, but had no fall, and on its western bank the land rose into the great wooded highlands of Taran Faroth. On the west side of this gorge, where the short and foaming stream of Ringwil tumbled headlong into Narag from the high Farath, Finrond established Nargothrond. But some 25 leagues east of the gorge, Nargothrond Syrian fell from the north in a mighty fall below the mirrors. And then he plunged suddenly underground into great tunnels that the weight of his falling waters delved. And he issued again three leagues southward with great noise and smoke through rocky arches at the foot of the hills, which were called the gates of Syrian. This dividing fall was named Andram, the Long Wall. From Nargothron to Ramdal, the wall's end in East Beleriand. But in the east it became ever less sheer, for the Vale of Gelion sloped steadily southward, and Gelion had neither fall nor rapids throughout his course but was ever swifter than was Syrian. Between Ramdal and Gelion, there stood a single hill of great extent and gentle slopes, but seeming mightier than it was, for it stood alone. And that hill was named Amon Ereb. Upon Amon Ereb died Denethor, lord of the Nandor that dwelt in Osirian, who marched to the aid of Thingol against Morgoth, 
in those days when the orcs first came down in force and broke the starlit peace of Beleriand. And upon that hill, Maedros dwelt after the great defeat. But south of the Andram, between Sirion and Gelion, was a wide land of tangled forest in which no folk went, save here and there a few dark elves wandering. Tarim Duinath, it was named, the forest between the rivers. Gelion was a great river, and he rose in two sources, and had at first two branches. Little Gelion, that came from the hill of Himring, and Greater Gelion, that came from the Mount Rarir. From the meeting of his arms, he flowed south for forty leagues, before he found his tributaries. And before he found the sea, he was twice as long as Sirion, though less wide and full, for more rain fell in Hithlum and Dorthonian, whence Sirion drew his waters, than in the east. From Arid Luin flowed the six tributaries of Gelion, Askar, that was after named Rathloriel, Thalos, Legolin, Brilthor, Duelwen, and Adirant, swift and turbulent streams, falling steeply from the mountains, and between Askar in the north and Adirant in the south, and between Gelion and Eredluin, lay the far green country of Osirian, the land of seven rivers. Now, at a point nearly midway in its course, the stream of Adirant divided and then joined again, and the island that its waters enclosed was named Tol Galen, the Green Isle. There, Baron and Luthien dwelt after their return. In Osirian dwelt the green elves in the protection of their rivers. For after Sirion, Umo loved Gelion above all the waters of the Western world. The woodcraft of the elves of Osirian was such that a stranger might pass through their land from end to end and see none of them. They were clad in green in spring and summer and the sound of their singing could be heard even across the waters of Gelion. Wherefore, wherefore the Noldor named that country Lindon, the land of music, and the mountains beyond they named Ered Lindon, for they first saw them from Osirian. East of Dorthonian, the marches of Beleriand were most open to attack, and only hills of no great heart, and only hills of no great height guarded the vale of Gelion from the north. In that region, upon the march of Maedros, in the lands behind, dwelt the sons of Feanor with many people, and their riders passed often over the vast northern plain. Lothlon, the wide and empty, east of Ardgalen, lest Morgoth should attempt any sortie towards East Beleriand. The chief citadel of Maedros was upon the hill of Himring, the ever-cold, and that was wide-shouldered, bare of trees, and flat upon its summit, surrounded by many lesser hills. Between Himring and Dorthonian, there was a pass exceeding steep upon the west, and that was the pass of Aglon and was a gate unto Doriath, 
and a bitter wind blew ever through it from the north. But Kelagorm and Korofin fortified Aglon and held it with great strength, and all the land of Himland, southward between the river Aros, that rose in Dorthonian and his tributary Kalon, that came from Himri. Between the arms of Gelion was the ward of Maglor, and here in one place the hills failed altogether. There it was that the orcs came into East Beleriand before the third battle. Therefore the Noldor held strength of cavalry in the plains at that place, and the people of Caranthir fortified the mountains to the east of Maglor's cap. There Mount Rerir, and about it many lesser heights, stood out from the main range of Arid Lindon westward. And in the angle between Rerir and Arid Lindon, there was a lake shadowed by mountain on all sides save the south. That was Lake Helavorn, deep and dark. And beside it, Caranthir had his abode. But all the great land between Gelion and the mountains and between Rerir and the river Askar was called by the Noldor Thargelion, which signifies the land beyond Gelion, or Dor Caranthir, the land of Caranthir. And it was here that the Noldor first met the dwarves. But Thargelion was before called by the Grey Elves Talith Runin, the East Vale. Thus the sons of Feanor under Maedhros were the lords of East Beleriand, but their people were in that time mostly in the north of the land, and southward they rode only to hunt in the green woods. But there Amrad and Amras had their abode, and they came seldom northward while the siege lasted. And there also other of the elf lords would ride at times, even from afar, for the land was wild but very fair. Of these, Finran Felagund came most often, for he had great love of wandering, and he came even into Osirand, and won the friendship of the Green Elves. But none of the Noldor went ever over Arid Lindon, where their realm while their realm lasted, and little news and late came into Beleriand of what passed in the regions of the east. So, in summary, <laughs> we heard a lot of geography of the areas around Beleriand, all these different places. So, you'll definitely want to review the map for this one. But just to give kind of a, a general sense of what we're looking at, Morgoth controls the lands in the north of Middle Earth um, from his fortress Angban, Hells of Iron. And uh, there's the, that mountain range up there that he he just he created, or I don't know, he kind of built, not like the Valar build, but it was just, he made it with ash and filth. Hithlum is the region just northwest of Beleriand and southwest of Angband, and it's ruled by Fingolfin, who's the king of the Noldor, and Fingon, his son. Directly east across the river, Surion are the fields of Ardgalen, which separate Hithlum and Beleriand from Morgoth, his territory in the north. Directly south of that is Dorthonian, where Angrad and Agnor, sons of Finarfin, rule. 
And the river Sirion separates East Beleriand from West Beleriand. On Tol Sirion, which is an island in that river, Finran established his fortress. Um, but now that is delegated to Orodreth, his brother. Finran's new fortress is Nargothrond, which sits in the river Narag, west of the river Sirion. Finran rules all the lands from the river Sirion to the sea in the west, save Phalas, the realm, that's the realm of Círdan, the shipwright. Finran and Círdan share an alliance, and in the far west, north of Phalas, and southwest of Heathlam is Nevrost, where Turgon ruled. And then we've got Doriath and kind of the central part of this area of Beleriand, which is the realm of Thingol. And then on the east side, surrounding the river uh, Gelion, the, the river Gelion is the main river on the east side, which has a bunch of tributaries. It's the land of seven rivers. And that's kind of where the sons of Feanor set up shop. That's where Maedros is and Maglor and Caranthir, they all dwell in this area. Um, the northern part of this area surrounding the river Gelion is also um, the green elves over there because that's kind of where Beleriand meets up with Osirian. So <laughs> we heard a lot. We heard about trees. We heard about rivers and cliffs. And uh, definitely check out the map <laughs> for that one. If you like what you hear, go ahead and rate us three Silmarils out of three. Follow us everywhere at Before the Fellowship and send any comments or questions to beforethefellowship at gmail.com. Join us next week as we read and react to the greatest story you've never heard, The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm-hmm.